grace to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Truly it is a pleasure to be able to gather around the Word of God this morning to meditate upon these things for these few moments. Was it Luther that said we have six days to to seek the things of this life and then we have a day that's set aside to seek the things of the life that is to come. And so we are blessed to be able to gather and where two or three are gathered together in the name of Jesus, there he, he is in our midst this morning. And we can, we can believe that and we can be thankful for that. And he will feed us with his... He is that living bread that came down from heaven. That if we eat thereof, we will never die. And so we can rejoice in that. I'm sure you've had this thought possibly like I have, that as we get older, it seems like time goes by quicker. And we realize that we're not going to be here very long. It's not going to be very long before we all have to fly away. And isn't it, isn't it a blessing that this is just the beginning, that we have so much to look forward to? This is the beginning of eternal life. And we can know that God is going to create a new heaven and a new earth, as it says in the end of Isaiah. The former will not be remembered, neither come into mind. But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For I create Jerusalem and rejoicing in her people of joy. And there won't be any more sorrow nor crying and any more tears and any more pain. And there will be no night there. It will be the land of endless day. And where the Lord God will be the light. You know, this world is... We understand that this world is cursed by sin because of the, of the fall in the garden of our first parents where the serpent came to the woman and, and cast doubt in her mind about the word of God the clear instructions of God that they, would not, they were not supposed to eat of that one tree that was in the middle of the garden you remember how the Lord God planted this beautiful garden in Eden and there he put the man and the woman whom he had created the very first man and the first woman he put there in this beautiful garden and in the middle of that garden, there was this tree of knowledge. There was a lot of beautiful, wonderful trees there. That, that fruit tasted so good, and it was, so, it was life-giving. The tree of life was there. And eating the fruit of the tree of life would give you eternal life even. But the serpent came to the woman and cast doubt in her mind that, oh, this, God doesn't really mean what he says, and this tree is, is such a, such a nice-looking tree, and don't you want to be wise and know a lot of things? And so she, she listened to him. She listened to his, his sly, uh, sneaky voice. And she ate of that tree and she gave also unto her husband and he did eat. And so there came sin into the world. And you'll find with me, I tend to digress down, down different thoughts. But anyway, what, uh, what I was getting at is when sin entered the, into, into the world, Death came into the world too. Death by sin. And so sin and death passed upon all men. So we are now all under bondage. Uh, the bondage of sin. And so. There was a, a serious. Very real falling away there. And God. God placed a curse upon us. He said now from now on. Life is going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. You're working, you're going to have to work and labor for everything you have for, the, for your food. You're going to have to struggle. There's going to be thorns and briars are going to rise up. There's going to be always, there's going to be disease. 
things are constantly changing. There's there's always we understand that new diseases and new new evidence of the curse are always coming up. There's always trouble. There's stress. Labor is difficult, and our bodies break down as we get older, and pretty soon these bodies die. And so, but look look around at the world. Look, look at all, all all of the design that God has placed here. There is a, still a lot of beauty. The fall is very complete in that we are we are we are at, our, our our natural minds are, are are at enemies of God. But if you look at the beauty of nature, there is still so much so much to to wonder at. And God wants us to wonder at, at His wisdom and how He can do everything, how He can create so much design in the, all the little things, the tiniest insects and bugs and, and everything, and how the order of nature is so is so amazing. The, the, the design in every little thing that God has placed. We heard a few weeks ago that if the genetic code of, of our DNA could be could be written out, it would make it to the sun and back four times, just in, our, in, in a single human being. The amount of information in our bodies to, to make our cells and the, all of the little laws that are placed within our bodies to make our bodies function and, and be able to live the way we live, it is it it is just blows our mind how much how much God had to do to, to make us to be able to live. What's been called the irreducible complexity of, of, of the bioorganism. You know, they're just everything that's alive. There is there is hundreds and hundreds of systems that all have to work together just so that we can live and breathe and, and think and love and everything. God has placed his he he placed within our, our, our nostrils the breath of life. And and we are now a living soul. We're not just a body that functions and is warm and breathes, but we are a living soul. We're able to think, we're able to observe, we're able to travel mentally all over the universe. We're able to we're able to love. We're able to have a relationship, and we can we can call upon the name of the Lord. Isn't it glory to God even that He can create creatures that do not even like Him? I found that that is just the ultimate in in, in, the, in the glory, the power of His wisdom. That he could make a creature that would turn its back on Him, and that He would still put up with it. God is so gracious, and He God is love. And he desires that even though we, we fell away in the garden and we all bear that imprint of our first parent's sin, God loves us. He draws us to himself. He sent his only begotten son into the world. He promised him that he would come right there from that, that first event in the garden, that there would come one that would have victory and that would overcome sin and that would die in our place and that would bear that eternal punishment so that we wouldn't have to suffer for our own sins. So that there would be a way of escape. There would be a payment would be made. We could partake of this payment. And we could be free of our own sin. And be able to live in righteousness and holiness before God all the days of our life. And be before Him holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. And so, we are still in this body as we are here this morning. We are still in this body. This is, as has been called by the old... By the, from throughout history, this is a warfare that we are in. We have a lot of enemies. We have not received the fullness of the Holy Spirit in us. We are our flesh is still struggles to come back to life, even though through the power of Jesus we don't live after the flesh, we live after the spirit. But the flesh still struggles to come back to life. And the devil speaks to us through attacks through our minds, and we are constantly having to cast down imaginations 
and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And so we are gathered, with, we are in a good place this morning to come together around the Word of God because this is how we are fed. This is how we are maintained. This is how we, we all want a safe and a successful journey to, to heaven. And so we don't want to neglect the needs of our soul. We, uh, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes forth out of the mouth of God. And so to gather on the Word of God, to gather with, with fellow uh, Christians, fellow believers, that we're all traveling together, uh, arm in arm, as it were, to reach the shores of heaven uh, safely. And we want to look out for each other, because there's a lot of things that can, that can, there's constant danger. When we're young, we don't realize it. But as we get older, like Luther says, we are, there's like the, the enemy has his daggers, his swords, his arrows are around us all the time, constantly looking for a weak spot to get in. And all, and that is why we live in Christian communion, because we're not able to see everything. We're not able to, to even, even sometimes judge ourselves what, what we're up to. But sometimes you can see something in somebody else, and they can likewise see something in you that maybe shouldn't be there. Because we all have these blind spots. It has been said that all of us together, everybody helps fulfill the image of God. Male and female, we all help fulfill the image of God. And we're all different. None of us has all the gifts. None of us has all of the angles on everything. But together, we, uh, we, can, uh, we can see a whole lot more than we can apart. And so that's why it's a blessing to walk and travel with other, other believers so that there's a safety there because we don't want to we don't want to get messed up. We don't want to start going down the wrong road and begin to uh, allow sin in our lives that shouldn't be there and allow false teaching because there is so much of that too, isn't there? There is so much information, so much data, and so much unbelief and so much worldly wisdom and oppositions of science, as has been said, that it can be easy. We can we can be led astray. We have examples in the Bible of those that began in the Spirit, but ended in the flesh. And so, with God's help, we will begin in the Spirit, and we will walk in the Spirit, and we will end this journey in the Spirit of God. I thought I'd read for a text, one of the texts for today. Uh, I might take the sweater off. Matthew 13, chapter 13. We'll read from the 34th verse through through the 50th. Reading in Jesus' name. Sorry. Getting a little warm in here. <clears throat> 34 through verse 50. Reading in the Lord's name. Matthew 13. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables, and without a parable spake he not unto them. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the terrors of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. 
The enemy that soweth them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity, and shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Again the kingdom of heaven is likened to treasure hid in a field, the which, when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. Again the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who, when he had found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a net that was cast into the sea and gathered of every kind, which, when it was full, they drew to shore and sat down and gathered the good into vessels, but cast the bad away. So shall it be at the end of the world. The angels shall come forth and sever the wicked from among the just and shall cast them into the furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Two more verses. Jesus saith unto them, Have ye understood all these things? They say unto him, Yea, Lord. Then said he unto them, Therefore every scribe which is instructed into the kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that is an householder, which bringeth forth out of his treasure things new and old. Amen. There is nobody like Jesus that can that can that can get right to the heart of the matter, that can that can describe the urgency of salvation, how important it is that we close together with Jesus, and that we come to know Him and He knows us, that we come into this fellowship, this blood-bought fellowship with Him, where we have been brought to that place of new birth where sin has abounded and grace did much more abound. But brought to that place where godly sorrow works repentance unto salvation. Our sin-darkened mind, as the song says, our sin-darkened mind sometimes doesn't even know what sin is. When we are living, you might say, uh, without the knowledge of God, almost as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, as it says in Hebrews, our sin-darkened minds need to be awakened by the Word of God. And this is, this is the office of the Spirit of God and the office of, of the preacher. To preach the Word of God so that men can be awakened to the knowledge of their sins. God has made us and He requires us to worship Him. He requires us to be His children. He has, sent, he has given us His Word in the form of, a law, of, the, of, of the law. Sometimes when we are so... So, lacking understanding, he gives us a very simple law in the Ten Commandments, telling us what we should do and should not do. But often in our in our in our natural mind, we can we can read those Ten Commandments and we can say that, well, I guess I must be okay because I I, I don't break these commandments. We can be so so uh, lacking in understanding and, and really understanding what the will of the Lord is that we can think that we can even keep them. 
And this was the, 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 the state of, of, of Israel. They thought they were keeping these commandments. But then Jesus comes. Jesus, this sacrifice that God promised from the garden, for, through all of the prophets, through, from Moses, from the Psalms, from the minor prophets, the prophetic writings of the coming of the Savior, Jesus fulfilled all of the, uh, all, of, all of the prophecy that was given hundreds and hundreds of years before His coming. He fulfilled all of it. And when Jesus comes, one of His first sermons was the Sermon on the Mount. And if you read that Sermon on the Mount, it's, uh, it has very strong requirements, aren't they? Now, do you think the Sermon on the Mount is, uh, is uh, ideas for Christian living? Or do you think it is Jesus explaining what the law really requires? And I've come to say that, uh, and, and it's all good. There's, there, it, is all, it is all holy and it is all good. But we find within ourselves that we are unable to keep these things, if we are honest at all. Because when Jesus makes the law spiritual, Jesus comes and explains what the Ten Commandments really mean. Like, are you, are, are you loving? Do you have the love for God? Do you love Him with all your heart, soul, and mind? Will you give up everything for Him? Uh, you remember that time that that rich young ruler came to Jesus, and he, he said, What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, what does the law say? And he, he said, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and love thy neighbor as thyself. And Jesus says, you answered right. Do this and you will live forever. And the young man said, I've done all these things, but I still don't have any peace. I said, what, what do I lack? He, he understood within that he still had a lack. He did not have fellowship with God. He did not have a love relationship with God. He was empty on the inside. And Jesus said, uh, One thing you lack yet. I might, I'm, I might be mixing this up a little bit, but I got the thought correct. One thing you lack yet. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And you shall have treasure in heaven. And come take up the cross and follow me. And he went away sorrowful. That was too much. The one thing he lacked was he didn't have any love. He didn't love God. He didn't love his neighbor. Which was like the single biggest thing that the law required. He didn't have any of it. And so Jesus always brings right to the heart of the matter. And so when we find that, that uh, when he says, Honor thy father and thy mother, that it may be well with thee, that thou mayest live long on the earth. If we've ever had a disobedient thought against our parents, we have broken the law. And there is no provision for grace within the law. There is no, nothing in the law that says, well, you've tried pretty hard, and so, you know, we're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna allow that, you know, I'm gonna overlook a few things. There's nothing in the law that gives any, any hope, any, any, any provision for grace. And thou shalt not kill. And, uh, you know, not only not outwardly killing somebody, but also the, the, the spiritual requirements of the law are that you help and befriend your neighbor in every bodily need. That you look out for him, speak well of him, that you never say a, a, anything negative about anybody behind their back, like bearing false witness, that you don't covet, that you don't ever look upon anything that anybody else has with any kind of a desiring eye, and that's, that you are always content, 100% of the time, always content with what God has given you, that you never ever have a unthankful uh, feeling or thought or anything. And... And the, about the, especially the adultery command, which is so close to all of us. He says that if you've ever looked upon a woman, like for a man, to look upon a woman with any lust in your heart, you are an adulterer. 
and you deserve to be, you are under the curse. All of these things that, that Jesus explains in the, in the Sermon on the Mount, it, is, uh, it shows us if we're at all honest. If God has placed within us any kind of an honest and good heart, like, like he says about the, the four kinds of ground, an honest and good heart that can look at it honestly and say, I am undone. I, 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 have, I am guilty in every way. And I don't have any peace. And I have sinned not only in thought, but in word and in deed. And I, and I am lost. What must I do to be saved? This is the place that God wants to bring us to. He wants us to bring us to a place where we can appreciate the, what, what Jesus has done. We can appreciate His perfect life. His coming, as we just celebrated around Christmas, His coming uh, to become one of us, to be born in a manger in such a lowly place, to take upon Himself our form, and to suffer hunger and cold and, and thirst and, and stress and persecution and everything, to live the perfect life, to never once have any any sin within him, to only go about doing good, to healing all that were that were in all kinds of natural troubles and oppressed of the devil, and then to drink the cup that we that belonged to us because of our sins and thought, word, and deed. We we can appreciate him when we when we understand what sin really is, and we come to this place where we die, where we die to ourselves because we cannot save ourselves. We give up on that. We say that I need help. And what a blessing to be able to come to where the place of help is, among the Christians, where the Word of God is, where Jesus lives, where the Word of grace dwells, the Word of faith which we preach, where people can come and they can hear of the living bread, of the living water, and they can receive the gospel message to their heart and soul. They can receive the forgiveness of all of their sins and the absolution message which we uh, treasure so much. And because... It's come to me that because when God visits us by His Spirit, when, when, that, when the visitation of the Holy Ghost is upon us, when we realize how bad we are and how lost we are, how fearful it is to fall into the hands of the living God, when we realize God is a consuming fire and His wrath burns forever against sin, He, he cannot abide anything defiled or unclean in His presence, but rather a defiled creature will anguish in the presence of God. When we find that eternity, eternity, you, you know its meaning. You know how long the span of eternity is. It is endless. There is time in eternity to count every, every drop of, preci- of precipitation that's ever fallen. There's time to carry every grain of sand from the east coast to the west coast, one at a time, and back again. There is time that goes without end. And how important it is that as the, as the eternal created people of God, He has made us in His image. God has an eternal image. God, God never dies, and neither will our souls. How important it is that we be saved and that we can stand in His presence in glory and have a blessed eternity. But because these things are so real and they are so, they can be so terrifying. Paul says, Knowing the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. God places His gospel deep within our hearts. Otherwise, we need something very solid to hang on to. Because sin is so real, God's wrath against sin is so real, God's holiness 
when we understand the holiness of God, then we need very clear doctrine, which is, which is the teachings of Jesus. We need very, very clear teachings of Jesus when we understand the holiness of God. If we see God as like a big old, you know, cosmic Santa Claus or something that he, he's just really good natured and everything, well, any kind of a, a message of grace is good enough, you see. But when we understand what God really is from His Word, when He visits us by His Spirit, and we know that God is holy, and we are not, and we are lost, then we need clear doctrine. And we have the absolution message, which we can believe our sins forgiven in Jesus' name and blood. And we have the blessed supper of the Lord, where we can come together and partake of the body and blood of the Lord. And we have promises associated with these things. He says, He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood, has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. And we have been baptized, sealed into this covenant of grace, because we are the children of God. We've been sealed by our baptism into the covenant of this grace. As Luther said when he would battle with the devil, when the devil would constantly try to cast doubt into his mind that you're, you're, you're so far from God, your, your thoughts are so evil, you're, you're so slow to pick up the Bible, you're so slow to, to rejoice and to praise God. You're, you're much more, uh, you're, you're, our flesh tends to run after earthly things. Luther would tell the devil that I have been baptized. God has made his promise unto me. And I know that I am saved. And so, let's begin with the text here. All these things spake Jesus unto the multitude in parables. And without a parable spake he not unto them. That it might be fulfilled or just spoken by the prophets, saying, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things which have been kept secret from the foundation of the world. These parables of Jesus brought spiritual things into a very clear way. We can see from reading the Old Testament, if you're a student of the Bible, that the Old Testament is not nearly as clear as the New Testament. The Old Testament had promises for seeking the Lord, for worshiping Him in truth and in faith, and had curses for not. But often in the Old Testament, the, the promises were were more of an earthly nature. We find often in the in the in, in the Psalms and in Isaiah, we find more clear teaching of almost like more like New Testament teaching from the Psalms and in Isaiah. But from so much of the Old Testament, um, we see through a glass darkly, as it has been said. And so these parables that Jesus uh, speaks, he, he gives us earthly examples. Because he loves us, he knows that he knows that we're not we are just simple children. He knows that he cannot speak into us in deep spiritual things immediately. They won't do any good. We need to have simple just as children. As children need simple teachings about the love of Jesus, about the blessings of following Jesus of knowing how much Jesus loves them. Children are like sponges, and they soak up Jesus, and they really want to hear about Jesus, because it is such a comforting thing. That is what our souls desire. That is what connects with us. That is what, as, as His sheep, we hear His voice. We hear His voice of love. We hear His voice of mercy and of grace. He carries us every day. We confess in the uh, Catechism, that we sin much every day and deserve nothing but punishment. God knows what we're like. We want to follow Him in truth and in faith, but often we are very weak and we are, we are, we are tempted 
and we often we can we can uh, we can fall into error. We have a much weakness, much shortcoming. And God carries us every day. He loves us. He does not. He, he covers us. We are covered with the robe of His righteousness. This is a beautiful thing. There were uh, in the Lestadi and Awakening. I remember hearing the story of uh, of some of the <clears throat> older, very weak sisters that that had a very difficult time of believing that God loved them. And they often would come to him and, and have to confess, uh, almost, almost daily sometimes, confessing uh, different sins and everything that they kept falling into. And uh, just not really understanding the, the power of his grace, how he covers us so thoroughly. And we understand that confession is a very beautiful thing. If something is on our heart that bothers us, that we have... That some some mistake we have made, some error that we have fallen into, we are encouraged to seek out a trusted uh, Christian and talk about it, confess where we've gone wrong, because Jesus is in our brother, and it is a very powerful weapon against the devil to bring things to the light, because uh, the devil loves darkness, and he likes to keep things swept under the rug, and uh, you remember how when David fell into sin. When David fell into sin with Bathsheba, he took another another man's wife to be his wife, basically stole her away and then had the husband put to death. Very terrible thing. David, who had been so sensitive toward, toward God and to his word. But you see how it can happen, because we are what we are. But uh, David, when he kept silence, when he, when he kept... There was uh, quite a period of time there where this was on his conscience. And he said, when I kept silence, my bones wax old uh, all the day long through, through, through this roaring that he had on the inside. He knew he had done wrong, and he felt really, really uh, spiritually shaken and very, very insecure and very scared. And he was unable during that time to praise God. God wants us to praise Him. He wants to hear His praise from us. He wants us to be thankful. He wants us to appreciate Him. And you know, when, we're, when we have a joyful spirit, when we are happy Christians, the devil isn't really able to get much of a hold on us, is he? He's not able to, to get to us. When we, are, when we have the joy of the Lord for our strength. But anyway, Jesus spoke in, the, in parables, in uttering these secret things so that, so that people could understand. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came unto him, saying, Declare unto us the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one. So the field is the world, as he, as he says here. And the, the good, he that sows the seed is Jesus. He is the son of man. He sows the good seed through his, through his children. And so... All different kinds of seed now are cast upon the, upon the same ground. But the children, the good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the terrors are the children of the wicked one. Well, we could wonder, why, why does God allow the, these terrors to uh, be sown in, in the world? Well, we don't know. We don't know that question. All we know is what has been revealed unto us. And we know that we want to be the good seed. We want to be the seed that Jesus has planted in the world so that we would rise up and grow up before Him. We understand that there are tares among the wheat. And this is a fearful thing. 
This This is another warning. This text is another warning to us. Another warning to everybody. You remember how Jesus warned on the night in which he was betrayed? He warned there at the Last Supper when they were all gathered together for that Last Supper. He warned them and he said, One of you shall betray me. One of you is a terror. And they all began to look at each other, fearful, saying, Lord, is it I? Could I be the one? And I think this is a healthy thought. Because most of them, 11 of the 12, knew what they were like. and They knew how weak they were. They knew how easily tempted they were. They, they, they were aware of that. But Judas, who was the terror... He says, Master, slyly, he says, Master, is it I? And Jesus says, Thou hast said. And whosoever I will give this sop after I have dipped it, the same as he. And so Jesus, or Judas, received the sop, and the devil entered into him, and he left their company. He left the company of the twelve. And he went out, and the Bible says it was night. Truly it was night in many ways. But so it is that Jesus warns us that we that let's let's examine ourselves, as Peter says, whether we be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know you not that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates? And so have we come to this place where we where we love the Lord? Have we come to this place where we realize that, that our sins are real and that we need a Savior and that we have been able to believe upon Him? Have, we, have you been able to believe upon Him that He died for you, that He, he shed His blood for you, that His blood has forgiven all of your sins, that His, that His holy life belongs to you? He's taken all of your sins upon Himself. He gives you His perfect life. Have you been able to believe that? It's very simple. As old Gordy Isaacson would say, if you believe it, you have it. And if you don't, you don't. I just love the simplicity of that. And so, Jesus won't... He, he, Jesus... He, God is love. And there is the existence of evil in this world. We don't know why. We don't know why the devil is, is out there deceiving people and causing so much trouble. We read of and hear of so much crime in the world, so much horrible things happening all the time. We wonder, how could these things be? But evil does exist. We have, we, we have the roadmap of of history in the Bible of why evil exists because of the devil because of him introducing sin into the world we have people that follow the devil and that do his bidding and terrible things can happen and we would just pray that God would protect us as we pray in the Lord's Prayer deliver us from evil because evil is very real in this world and there will come a day when evil will no longer exist evil will be vanquished we know, that we know the end of the story here. We have the Bible. We know how it's going to end. It's going to end very well for us when we're following Jesus. And when we believe upon Him. I just love that place in the Old Testament where the people murmured. They were always murmuring against Moses. Remember when he led them out of Egypt? He delivered them from the oppressors in Egypt with a high arm. God worked powerful, powerful things that have never happened since through Moses in the sight of the Egyptians. Was there seven massive plagues that, that plagued the whole land of Egypt except the area of Goshen there where the, where the Israelites were? He led them out across the Red Sea 
a massive body of water, mountains on both sides, the Egyptians with their huge host coming behind, perhaps they could even see the dust of that massive army coming behind, they were trapped with the Red Sea before them, and, and Moses cried out to God, and God told him to stretch forth his rod over the waters. And the Red Sea parted. Just a fascinating event. And they crossed as on dry ground. And after they got across, God hindered the Egyptians from being able to follow too close, put a thick fog between them and caused their chariots to bog down in the, in the muck of the bottom of the ocean. And then he let the water back in on them. And they were drowned, all of them. Powerful deliverance like this. And still, the people murmured and complained against Moses that, have you brought us out here to die in this horrible wilderness? We should have stayed in Egypt. You see how slow to believe, how hardened of heart, how the sin nature is so evident in those people as that, that come out of Egypt. But there was a time when they murmured again. And God sent fiery serpents among the people. Fiery serpents came among the people and bit them. And it was a venomous bite. It was a horrible bite. Deadly serpents with a fiery bite. And the people were dying, and they cried out unto Moses, and, Moses, and God told Moses, Take up, make a serpent to look like one of those fiery serpents, and put it up on, a, up, up on a standard, and tell them that whosoever will look up upon that, that serpent of brass will be healed. It's such a beautiful story of the simplicity of the grace of God. So Moses makes this serpent out of brass, and he puts it up on a fairly like on a high flagpole or something, and he commands the people, if you look upon this serpent, you will live. You'll be healed from this horrible bite. Well, it's a picture of the bite of sin. The serpent is the devil. He has bitten all of us with, his, with, his, with this deadly bite, this deadly wound, this venom that we have within us that causes us to be at enmity against God, that causes us to be dead, separated from God, who is all goodness, all love, and all beauty. But as but Jesus says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever will believe on him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That serpent looked that that serpent of brass, it looked just like one of those bad serpents, didn't it? Just like Jesus looks just like one of us. He came down, took upon himself our form, he was raised up from the earth to be up upon the cross. When we look upon him in simplicity, we look upon the form of Jesus on the cross. We don't see him there uh, condemning us and saying, look what you've done to me. We see him in his loving eyes as he, as he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He is th- crowned with a crown of thorns. He is spit upon. He is mocked with a purple robe. Everything. King of kings and Lord of lords. He was suffered the, the ultimate hum- humiliation there at Calvary but he's lifted up from the earth and in his death we have our life we look upon him there on the cross and we see that in him is the payment for all of our sins in him he covers all of our weakness all of our shame 
and he gives us hope. He delivers us who through fear of death were all our lifetime subject to bondage. Because of this fear of death, all of mankind has been in bondage. Death, death is this horrible thing that's at the end of life. The specter that is, that is there. There's that one song that goes, how does it go? If I could just remember it. Dark the way, yet Christ precedes us. Past the scowl of death, he leads us. Spreads a table where he feeds us with his body and his blood. Jesus has entered into death. He has passed the scowl of death. He leads us. He comes out safe out the other side. He is the first fruits of the resurrection of the dead. And we, will, we, we rise with him. When we believe upon him, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believes on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. This is our hope. This is our encouragement. This is what gives us peace. This is what gives us strength to move on. The hope of the resurrection. The promise of eternal life. We have our, hel- our, our heads. We have, around our head is the helmet of salvation. I thought of this. The helmet of salvation gives us good thoughts. What protects your mind from evil thoughts more than having good thoughts? Good thoughts of salvation. Of, of a blessed and an endless eternity to look forward to. I don't know what time we have now, but um, um, can we go for a while, or what's uh, okay? The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. What a simple picture here. The enemy that sows the seed is the devil. And this is a warning to everybody. This says that parable of the four kinds of ground. The, the devil was right there like those, like those birds to pluck the seed before it had a chance to even grow. So when the seed of the message of Jesus, of the message of the gospel, the kingdom of God, has come nigh unto you, let us hide that within our hearts. Let us believe it and let it affect us, because it will. The Holy Ghost works with these words to affect us, to make change, to cause us to live for Him. The Holy Spirit and the Word of God is like the strong, the stronger one. Natural man is like a strong man that keeps his house. When he keeps his house, his goods are in peace, the Lord says. But when a stronger than he comes, he binds the strong man, takes away all his armor, wherein he trusted, and divides his spoils. Jesus is the stronger one that comes and binds the strong man, casts out the unclean spirit that is our natural spirit, and takes residence there, divides the spoils. Jesus inherits, possesses us and everything else, and so that we can be his. And so we want to be this good kind of ground where the, where the seed can fall of the, of the word of Jesus and it can, it can germinate it can take root and it can, it, can, it can bring forth first the ear first the blade then the ear then the, then the full corn in the ear as he says as therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire so shall it be in the end of this world the son of man shall send forth his angels and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and them which do iniquity. 
And so, very simple words. We wonder, how long will the Lord put up with everything? Well, He will not put up with everything forever. We, we can, we, we, our hearts can, can even mourn because of the sins of this world. But yet, we don't want to let that cause us to cause it to hurt our faith or our joy. Because dwelling upon the sins of the world can sometimes be very depressing. And so sometimes we're better off to, uh, to think these holy thoughts of, of salvation. But this is what's going to happen at the end. God's patience, His long-suffering, will not last forever. As therefore the terrors are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be in the end of this world. The Son of Man shall send forth His angels, these angels that are ministering spirits, that help us right now. What do the angels do? It says they are ministering spirits that are sent forth to minister to them who are heirs of salvation. The angels, their main job is looking out for us, and especially looking out for the little children. As, as he says, Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that their angels do always behold the face of the Father which is in heaven. The angels of, the, of, of God, they rejoice with us. They wonder at what has happened. Angels desire to look into these things. They wonder, how did the Lord, the God of heaven, how did he become a man? How did he become a baby? And how did he live here like this? What wonder, what mystery. God and man. True God and true man at the same time. That's, that's what Jesus Christ is. True God and true man at the same time. We cannot separate one from the other. Neither any more than we can separate what part of me is spirit and what part is, part is body. I cannot, I cannot figure it out. And shall cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. And so, the, the fearful end of the unbelieving, the fearful, fearful end of the lost. As it says in the end of the Bible, where is it here? In Revelations, in the very, was it, is it the last chapter possibly? Of Revelations, maybe I could, if I could find that for a moment. When, it, when, it's, when John's vision of, 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 of the end and of judgment. Oh, I don't know if I can find that. Right here. Chapter 21. I'll read a couple of verses here. And, and, he, and he said unto me, verse 6, 21 Revelations. It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Our thirsty souls will to drink forever from the fountain of the water of life. And we will eat of the trees and of the fruit of the tree of life, which is once again, we will have access to the tree of life in heaven, where we can eat thereof and enjoy that fruit and live forever. And we're not going to be tempted with any other bad fruits. They won't even be there. Nothing that defiles, that is, can work iniquity. There will be no danger. There will, be, there will be no soul danger in heaven. I think that's uh, something we can rest in. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. There is an overcoming. Here isn't there. Paul says, Is there anybody as... Can we say that... Can we honestly say, Is there anybody that was closer to the Lord, that was more full of the Holy Spirit than Apostle Paul? 
But he says, I haven't already, I haven't attained it yet. I have not already attained it, neither am I perfect. But I follow after that which, so I said that I might apprehend that which I am apprehended of the Lord. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. There could be false cults and false religion that thinks that, well, now we're going to be little gods in the end. We're going to inherit everything and we're going to move on independently and be little gods. Well, that's not from the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God teaches us that we inherit all things. We inherit God Himself and we will rejoice in God, our Savior, forever. God is what we desire. God is what we thirst after. The holiness of God, to be holy ourselves and to rejoice in communion with God in that perfect, never-ending love relationship. Verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and all sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. That is the end of the lost. That is the end of those who have not been cleansed by Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, who have not partaken of, of Jesus. It is, is, it, is it enough to be scared? Is it enough to be scared of God and say that, well, I believe in God and I'm, 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 I'm terrified of God's, God's power, of His holiness. What we find there, it is not enough to be scared of God. To be scared of God and to be full of fear is, is still to be lost. But the fearful are also cast into the lake of fire. So how important it is that we don't just stay in a fearful place. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. For, he that, for, for fear hath torment, John writes. It is important that we also come to know the grace of Jesus. That we come to know His his unending grace, how our sins can, are buried in the bottomless sea of grace. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And so, to have confidence in him. How much more blessed is it? And <clears throat> we have to take all of the Bible together, right? We don't just take one verse and ignore everything else. We, we understand that Bible explains Bible. And so when we look at the entire Bible, we find that Paul, Paul is also merciful to the ones that don't have a lot of confidence. He says, if our, or John writes also, along with Paul, if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Because often we know what we're like. We know how disobedient we are. If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart. He knows all things. Just like when Thomas, who was one of the twelve, could not believe that the Lord had risen from the dead. He said, except I see in his hands the print of the nails, put my finger into the nail holes, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. He wanted to be a Christian, Luther writes. Thomas wanted to be a Christian, but he was simply unable to believe. And he he spent eight days in unbelief. He could not believe that the Lord had risen from the dead. Even though he had wanted so badly to believe in, in, in the Lord, yet he could not. But Jesus did not reject him. Jesus gave him a special blessing 
when he appeared unto them behind the locked doors. He, he singled out Thomas, you reach hither your finger and behold my hands, and reach hither your hand and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless but believing. And that was enough for Thomas. But then Jesus tells us something to us. He says, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are they which have not seen, and yet have believed. And so, Paul says, If we believe not, if he abides faithful, he cannot deny himself. He exists regardless of what we think. And he is loving his nature, his loving nature, the power of his grace doesn't change. Even though sometimes we can be doubting and fearful and wonder, uh, how is it going to be with me? Let us have confidence in him. Let us look to him and let us receive these things that he has encouraged us in his doctrine. Let us hear the gospel message. Let us be quick to gather together. I think I'm not going to go any more into the text there, but let us be quick to gather together around the word of God. Let us, let, us, let, us, let us enjoy the fellowship of the saints. There is blessing there. There is power there among us when we can gather together around His Word. Let us be quick to read the Bible through and meditate upon His Word and to give ourselves wholly to them, to these things, as so our profiting may appear to all. It, there will, people will see it. When we give ourselves unto the Lord and unto His Word, unto the study of His Word, it's, this is what helps our light to shine before men, that, may, that they may see that we are the children of our Father. Let us remember to pray, pray for each other, pray for everybody, and pray for ourselves, that we could have understanding, that we could be given, that, Lord, increase our faith. Lord, give, give me the Holy Spirit so that I may know what is the hope of my calling. What is the riches, what is the riches of your grace? Lead me a new path in the revelations of your grace so that I may feast upon these things, that I, may, that I may enjoy these things, that I may be kept strong unto the end, so that it would, not be, that it would not be said that we are not of them that turn back unto perdition, but of them that believe unto the saving of the soul. But yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. He says, ye have need of patience to run the race that is set before us. And I would encourage you this morning to believe all of your sins forgiven, in the name and in the holy blood, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Believe it unto eternal life. And enjoy, enjoy what he has done for you. Rejoice and be glad and appreciate it. And never lose sight of it. Hold on to those precious jewels that you have. When you can believe upon the Lord that your, that your sins are forgiven, that you are his child, that he watches over you. These are your precious jewels. Protect them and guard them. Don't let anything come into your life that would hurt your faith or that would damage your joy and so that you can rejoice in the Lord always because God is our exceeding great reward in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll close with the benediction. The Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face shine upon us and be gracious unto us. The Lord lift up his countenance upon us and give us everlasting peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.